Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. I think something that I always, I, I frequently talk about specifically is the bluegrass scene that we have here in Milwaukee and that we have here in the entire state. And um, like the bluegrass scene specifically is is just, is, is so welcoming and, and just just fun to be around and it's small but but real mighty and strong and the fan base for for bluegrass specifically and and you know the sort of related genres there here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of wisconsin Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach Fell. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Wisconsin Music Podcast, brought to you by Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin. It is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects. For the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. This week, we have Joseph from the Milwaukee-based bluegrass band, The Millbillies, M-I-L-B-I-L-L-I-E-S, Millbillies. Joseph's going to talk about his beginnings leading up to playing in punk bands and then into now a completely different genre, the bluegrass genre. We'll talk about their new album. We'll hear some new songs off of it and some stories behind those songs. We'll also talk about the local scene, and Joseph tells us how open and inviting the bluegrass audience is. So let's get right into it. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. We're having an interview with Joseph from the Millbillies. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So why don't you kind of tell us your origin music story? Totally, yes. I mean, I got my start when I was really young, like a lot of us did. I actually started on classical piano for years, starting at the age of five and uh, moved up through band in, in high school and then all through college on the trombone, actually. I played a lot of jazz in, in classical music. So I was kind of in the jazz scene in Chicago for a while. You know, for me personally, my grandpa played the fiddle and was always into country music and, and bluegrass music. And so were my parents, especially my mom. So I sort of got a, uh, got a little bit of a late start into bluegrass music myself and took over some of the fiddles from my grandpa when he died and started learning and just sort of never looked back. Just, uh, you know, on that, on that journey for myself, that musical journey led me to, um, to the Millbillies here in Milwaukee, the awesome bluegrass scene that we have here, just making friends and meeting people and jamming and picking. Ultimately met up with these guys. I played a lot of country music before this, played in some like pop country cover bands, stuff like that. Always found a home in old time music and bluegrass music for sure. Excellent. Why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about the the Millbillies? You know, like the who's in there and you know places you guys have played. You know, just give us kind of like a little bit of a history of the whole group. Totally. I mean, I can start from the beginning. Sure. 
We like to say we have uh, two founding members. That would be Matt Bray, our mandolin player, and our uh, our bass player, Pat Zimmer. So they've they've been going at it as the Millbillies for maybe five or six years now with different iterations of the band, with different people kind of cycling through. And it wasn't until about two, two and a half years ago when the other three of us came to join the band. We have a banjo, Dan, and our guitar player, Evan, and, uh, and I play the fiddle. So um, we were all kind of jamming at this Sunday jam that we have here in Milwaukee in the, in the River West neighborhood. So we met there. We met up with Matt and Pat there. They were kind of like rebuilding things and just trying to start to get a little more serious with the band. So we ended up with this current lineup just from, uh, from picking at the Bluegrass Jam together. Basically started picking outside of the jam on our own and sort of never looked back. It just started clicking, started writing tunes. And we just started playing. So, you know, for that first year, we were hitting Milwaukee really hard. We we're hitting the dive bars, playing some real nice rowdy shows, which are, uh, which are bread and butter, really. But from there, we've gone out. We've branched out to other festivals and just gotten bigger and bigger. Doing as much as we can, uh, having a great time. So for listeners out there that are new to bluegrass music, is there a way you can describe it to them so they can kind of get a, an, an idea of what it's supposed to be about? Yeah, I mean, um, I think the most important thing to me and uh, a lot of us in the bluegrass community is is the community aspect of it. I mean, we could talk all day about about chord progressions and, and the boom chick of, of bass and mandolin and stuff like that, or maybe like even content of a song. But um but for us, it's more about the community. It's about getting together in like just a circle jam and picking and, you know, playing like bluegrass style instruments, you know, definitely like bluegrass string instruments and just kind of creating a community out of it that you can see that you don't necessarily see in other genres. Because, you know, I always say that you can go to any city in the country and there's a bluegrass jam going on there. And if you play a bluegrass instrument and you could play bluegrass, you can go to that jam and just immediately make friends, which I think is like something that's super, super cool and unique to our genre. So what would be some typical bluegrass instruments? I mean, you know, uh, definitely what we have in our band, just upright bass, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, banjo. We have some really awesome dobro players in Wisconsin, and we're super fortunate to have a couple right here in Milwaukee that are regulars at our jam. But yeah, I mean, those are those are definitely the core instruments. You'll see some other some other guys around the area with uh, with some more sort of like old timey instruments, like a hammer dulcimer and stuff like that. But I think you know, as we know it, those six instruments are really uh, really the core to to what we know as as bluegrass for sure. Excellent. Let's talk about places that you perform at. Most venues are going to are be kind of genre specific. Did you do open mics, coffee houses, bars, summer festivals, trade shows? Kind of give us, you know, an outlook on all those things that were the places you guys play, obviously, before COVID shut everything down. Yeah, totally. I mean, we tried to bridge a lot of gaps with with where we play and the kind of shows that we were playing and just get out and branch out to more diverse audience. I think our our music specifically lends itself to that. It's just high energy and no matter what, you're going to have good time. So we were playing anywhere from just like dingy dive bars in, in Milwaukee, which are some of our favorite shows to play to, you know, like bigger, like summer festivals out and, and, and also like, you know, like week, weeknight concert series, stuff like that, that a lot of towns are having now which is something that we've been fortunate enough to keep going during the pandemic. Last summer, a lot there were a lot of outdoor shows, a lot of socially distanced outdoor shows. 
a lot of them were those like weeknight concert series that are put on by uh, cities and towns across the state. So we were able to recoup some of the some of the summer there. Obviously, we're not really doing the dive bars or anything like right, trying to keep out right. of the indoor shows. But yeah, I mean, our bread and butter for our first year were the dive bars here in Milwaukee for sure. When you obviously when you were playing shows, what was your PR approach? What were you doing to get your name out there and let people know that your shows are out there? Obviously, social media, stuff like that, but kind of elaborate on all that. Obviously, like any other band at all, like we hit social media really hard for promo. But really, I think just like, you know, we we sort of went out with an intentional identity in our social media. And we we just want to we, we want our social media and all of our marketing to look like, you know, the band that we are on stage. And, you know, what our sound is. So we're just trying to, you know, create something fun and something engaging on social media. You know, we, we do a lot of really just like fun, weird, like quirky things uh, for marketing and whether it's the ground game and getting out, getting the word out on things or like what we're doing on social media, you know, we're constantly sharing memes. We're constantly doing, you know, all that stuff just to have that presence out there and of what we're trying to create as our vibe and our energy. So, yeah, I mean, I think social media obviously is key, but if you don't really have an identity to your social media, I think, you know, it can just get lost in, in the, in in the great big black hole that is, you know, Facebook, Instagram, everything. So, yeah, I mean, I think that an intentional identity is, is really, really important to any, like band or anything really, especially when it comes to marketing and, and social media. Absolutely. I mean, even your, the name of your band, it's just, it's a play on words. And I think that's definitely going to keep, you know, it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a name that people aren't going to forget right away, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's, you know, on purpose, it's definitely intentional. Right. Like the name we wanted to, we wanted to be something that people remember. And we sort of wanted to be like, an allusion to the fact that we might be bluegrass, but not necessarily like have the rest of our marketing be on the nose bluegrass. We, you know, we kind of want people to like see the Millbillies and then see a poster that we made and be like, is this a bluegrass or a, or a punk band and, <laughs> and uh, or something like that. Right. 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 All, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, I just think having fun like that and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun name to begin with. So I think it just sets the tone for who we are, the guys that we are and the energy that we try to set out. Yeah. So do you do anything, try to amplify it? And I don't mean just like an amplifier, like for a guitar, but like actually make it bigger than what the normal bluegrass band would be. I mean, you talk about working or playing at dive bars and trying to get a lot of energy out of the, out of your crowd. So are you trying experimenting with like doing more expansive or are you keeping it more down to more of the natural bluegrass types music? Sure. And you know what? There's actually like a sort of a weird dichotomy in bluegrass. You know, there there are basically two two, you know, methods or two two ways of thinking about bluegrass or two different sides. Uh you have the real traditionalists who uh stick to the Bill Monroe style bluegrass, you know, like one four, one five chord progressions, you know, uh, three chords of the truth, you know, all that stuff. So, um, but then you have basically, you have that on one side and then everything else is sort of grouped to the other side, which would be like jam grass or party grass, anything, any, any sort of verb that you can put in front of grass, you can describe some, some sort of band that isn't traditional bluegrass. So, I mean, um, that's just like the dichotomy that exists. It's like you either are, or you aren't traditional bluegrass so 
I think what we're starting to see now is as we progress, like as a genre across the country and the world really is sort of, you know, what we've seen in other genres like rock or jazz, where like things have gone into subgenres that are like clearly defined where they aren't necessarily so clearly defined yet yeah. uh, in bluegrass. So we're definitely seeing that more. So I think that, you know, in a sense, it, it makes it easy to push the boundaries, but also a little harder to push the boundaries because you have you know, a, a major part of your fan base that sort of doesn't want you to push the boundaries. They want you to do the traditional stuff. And like, but that being said, I don't think that, you know, you can really push the boundaries until you can, you can do the basics and you can, you can hold your weight um, yeah. playing traditional bluegrass. But I think we definitely, you know, we can, we definitely push boundaries in a sense that, I we I would consider ourselves traditional bluegrass. Uh, we're definitely more on the edge of like sort of what people are starting to call like thrash grass or party grass mm. or something, something like that. Which is like to me, it's kind of funny and elusive because you know we've had some review reviews use both of those terms, and uh, but to me, it's just like well, I don't know. We're just we're just the middlebillies. Like <laughs> I, like I I don't know what to what to tell you. Like we're we're a bluegrass setup, and our sound has just kind of formed based on five unique individual backgrounds and whatever that is to the audience, whether they're bluegrass people or not, they can, they can take it out however they want to take it. And right. uh, hopefully, hopefully they like it. Right. And you guys have recordings out. Yeah, that's right. We just uh, released our debut album uh, last fall. This, uh, this album for us in, in particular, you know, just sort of talking about it as a whole, as an album, you know, it's a, uh, it's definitely a like just based on like subject matter and just feel it's about who we were and what we were doing at the time that we're writing the songs is uh, we were playing these dive bars in Milwaukee. You know, these songs that we wrote are all about, you know, drinking, playing and like <laughs> heartbreak basically. So there's a lot of like Milwaukee specific subject matter. So um, I mean, that leads me to one of my songs on the album hoods which follows the story of uh, basically me uh, in Milwaukee, just like, you know, it follows, it follows the storyline of three different girls, you know, that I was, that I went on dates with at different times at, at different points in my life where I was, where I was doing different things. So uh, just three different girls from three different neighborhoods that really like kind of define my Milwaukee experience.
and yeah so uh we have a lot of stuff like that stuff like um that is like heavily related to to milwaukee and what we were doing um i think you know i myself and our guitar player we write most of our songs for the we write most of the songs for the band and you know he definitely was experiencing the same thing at the same time so if you take a look at the song uh his song eben's song good land obviously milwaukee is you know the good land uh but it's sort of like a sort of a different take on on milwaukee it's it's uh it's about him moving to milwaukee and experiencing both the good and the bad, just kind of sort of highlighting everything that is what makes the city, you know, what it is. Like, but like I said, both the good and the bad. sort of like just an introspective look at exactly who we were and what we were doing at the time trying to capture that energy in 12 songs or so we've got a couple you know one that i that i really really like that i wrote is called old fred and that's about the closing of the paps brewery back in the 90s um and i wrote it very shortly after i moved to milwaukee and actually went on the paps history tour I was just starting to play with the Millbillies and we were just sort of starting to dabble in songwriting together as a band. So I, I just put this song together as like a, just a hot bluegrass tune um, that I was trying to make like very Milwaukee specific, but also, you know, like touch on something that, you know, part of Milwaukee history that, that I think is just like important and relatively recent that a lot of people that are listening to our music can remember so to make it a little like to make it pretty relatable and um 
of course, plenty of drinking and stuff in that song too, uh, <laughs> based on what we were doing at the time. But yeah. Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin, and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. All right, back to the interview. Another one that I wrote, um, Wild Turkey. There you go. Just another drinking song. Like It really is just a product of, of our environment and, and playing these dive bars and just observing the things around us. Uh, that song, Wild Turkey, is just basically describing what um, I was looking at uh, while I was sitting and waiting for a set at a, at a bar in river West. So um, it's, you know, it's very, it's very descriptive and it's just, uh, it's just kind of capturing that moment in time of just sitting there with a whiskey and (laughs) watching the crazy people around us and and getting ready to play. So yeah. Great. Uh, What's your favorite drink since we're talking about drinking? Oh man, I I can go back and forth, but I do love sipping on a, on a, on a neat bourbon whiskey. So 
you know, a lot of people, uh, they like to buy me a wild turkey after the show because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we have the song or whatever. But, you know, I enjoy any good sipping whiskey, really. And uh, but uh, I'll, I'll never I'll never pass up a good craft beer, though. Cool. Very cool. I usually do like a whiskey sour or a good IPA. That's for, yeah. For me. yeah. I, I love me a good IPA. I used to I used to work in craft beer. So, okay. uh, yeah, three shift beers a day uh, really, really got to me after a while. But, uh, <laughs> you know what, though? I definitely miss it. That was uh, quite quite the way to end every single day. I bet. Kind of a segue, but you kind of talked about, obviously, we talked about the album. Why don't you kind of give us the process that you guys went through for this album? Like, obviously, you said you and Evan, you know, the ones that wrote the songs mostly, but kind of tell us, just take us through the whole journey of recording this album. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a long time coming and um, none of us had ever recorded a bluegrass album before. Like I and jazz and funk bands and, you know, played in punk bands for years. And Evan is a real big blues guy. So like we, we, we'd all been part of recording projects before, um, but we'd never done a bluegrass album. Uh, so that was really new to us. And we didn't know exactly at first how we wanted to go about it, but what we did, what we ultimately decided on going into the studio, and uh, we did this at Silver City Studios here in Milwaukee uh, with our engineer Chuck Zink, who was really really helpful in the process. We just decided to go all into the studio together, and uh, and record everything live. So the entire album is recorded live, except for vocals, and uh, we uh, we went back and tracked the vocals over our you know our instrument takes. So um, it was a big big learning experience for us um for sure but i would honestly our our entire goal for the album was to capture our live sound capture the live energy and i think we definitely did that um and i don't think we would have been able to do that had we done it any other way but yeah i mean moving forward we're back in the studio already we're going to be releasing a single here in the next month or two and we, we tried a completely different technique we just we went back with chuck at silver city studios and um uh, and, you know, we multi-tracked everything, which was, again, new for us in a, in a bluegrass uh, scenario. But, you know, we just, we just got our, uh, you know, one of the final mixes today. So, and it sounds awesome, which we're super stoked for. But, um, but yeah, we're just trying some different, different methods, different ways of doing things. Uh, and, but yeah, for that first album, we did the whole thing live. And I'm, I couldn't be more proud of, of what we were able to do just going in like that. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's kind of talk about the local scene attitude. We're going to do both sides of the coin here, the, the positive and negatives of the local scene. So you can start with either one and kind of tell us what your thoughts are on the negatives and the positives of the local scene, uh, helping local musicians like yourself trying to rise above all the static. Yeah, I mean, I think something that I always, I, I frequently talk about specifically is the bluegrass scene that we have here in Milwaukee and that we have here in the entire state. Like the bluegrass scene specifically is is just is is so welcoming and and just just fun to be around and it's small but but real mighty and strong and the fan base for for bluegrass specifically and and you know sort of related genres there is is just so amazing and wonderful and everybody that we meet just does everything that they possibly can to to help lift us up and we all help lift each other up. And just support each other, just playing shows together and just getting the word out for for the scene, basically, because um, we're seeing a real sort of like golden age of, of 
of bluegrass and string band type music here in the, you know, in the upper Midwest in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan. So it's really just something that we're all excited to be a part of and get to know everyone who's in the scene and just be a community like that. And like the way that fits into the music scene as a whole, uh, you know, it just kind of fills that big, that big hole, that big niche for string band music and acoustic music, which there's definitely a huge audience here for. So it's, it's, it's very recognized by, by the music scene, by the mainstream music scene as a whole, because it very much is like a a big chunk of mainstream music yeah cool and anything else you want to add to that i mean you know i just i i can't go on enough about just how great everybody is in this in 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 the bluegrass scene that's the that's just the most important thing we're all we're all friends and the the best thing that we do here in bluegrass is we just we all get together from every other from from other bands and and uh and we just play together we we get we get together in backyards and, and garages and you know, crack open a couple and just pick for hours. And it's, uh, it just, it just feels great. feels, feels great to be part of that, that scene and that community. Have you um, seen any struggles in the local music scene? I mean, you know, um, I think that, I mean, not necessarily. I just, I just, I really feel like that everybody is sort of lifting each other up. I mean, um, I think, you know, every band has a certain goal that they want to reach. And, you know, you'll sometimes you'll see that like somebody isn't quite getting getting there yet, but um, but they're they're well on their way. And as long as everybody keeps working at it, working at, you know, not only the music, but but the community and the scene and like, you know, the identity of of what we're what we're all trying to do together, then. Uh, like you said, we can all just lift each other up and and get everybody where they want to be. So, right, right. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of any like specific examples that's, of any sort of like struggles. I, I think that uh, we're all just we all we all just have a good time playing music, and uh, you know, uh, we try not to think too hard about about the things that bring us bring us down necessarily. That's good. What about red flag gigs you've done? And oh man, this was not probably the best idea to, to do a gig here or something that had influenced the way you thought about a gig. Just, you know, for people that are coming through the, the music scene, they, you know, they're always looking for advice just to keep, you know, look out for scams or whatever else. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to be careful who who you're working with to who's going to be promoting your, your shows or your gigs and, and your, and your band, because, you know, at the end of the day, they're promoting you as a person and, you know, even more than that, they're promoting the pro promoting the identity of your band. So, I mean, there are definitely people out there that, um, that don't necessarily understand what it's like to work with a band or that it's the first time that they've booked a band and you can't really fault somebody for that, but you know, there are opportunities like that where you can, where you can help guide somebody in, in how to book a band or how to book a musician and if they're not really willing to, to to go both ways on it, then that's sort of a red flag. If somebody is like very clearly new at it or they've or even especially if they've been doing it for a long time and they're, you know, they're obviously going to have their own interests at heart. But if they're if they're not really, you know, interested in the music, if they're not interested in you and promoting in in, in 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 positively promoting your identity and what it is you're you're doing and trying to create, then that's not necessarily somebody that you want to work with. So you got to think hard about, about the people out there. Right, and right. fortunately they're pretty easy to snuff out. Most of what they do is on the nose, especially if you've been, been around for a little while, but um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's just, there's always, there's always somebody out there trying to do something shady. So it's just something to keep in mind. Right. Exactly. Got a few more questions as we're wrapping this up. Are you guys planning or have you done any like live streaming concerts? Yeah, we actually just did a big live stream last night. That was uh, at the best place at the Pabst Brewery down in downtown Milwaukee here. So that video is going to be up for everybody to uh, to go back and watch. We had, we had, we did a lot of uh, production planning for that, and it really, yeah, and like just really tried to make a production out of it. Just made made a show. We, we made commercials for it, and just strung everything along together. We had our we had our buddy the Bluegrass Chicken Man uh, out. If you want to know, if you want to know what that's all about, then then you should definitely go check out the streams. But yeah, definitely a big production value on that. Uh, we don't have any other streams in the uh, planned right now. Uh, we're booking out summer uh, just outdoor shows and getting back and playing those socially distant outdoor shows for the year. And hopefully, towards the end of the year, we'll be coming out of it, out of the thick of the weeds here of the pandemic, and and just getting back to some uh, some normal live music, whatever right. whatever that's going to look like moving forward so right, right but uh like i said back we're, we've been back in the studio too um we'll just have some more n- new music coming out where can they find this stream uh you can find that on our facebook page it'll be up there in our video section we'll definitely post it on our website uh that's the and we're gonna get some clips of it up on our youtube page as well so yeah the entire stream you can find it on facebook just right at the top of our videos right now excellent and one of the last things I ask, or two, two last things I ask is, one is work-life balance. How are you doing with balancing your work life with your music life? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a struggle for a lot of us in the band. You know, a couple of our guys have, have families and kids, and that's just something that we have to work around. And fortunately, they have awesome partners and wives that are that are really, really supportive and like definitely go out of their way to make sure that these guys have, have this outlet and this creative outlet that I think keeps them sane, uh, keeps all of us sane. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely a big balance. You know, we all have jobs that can also be really flexible to, to what we're doing with the band outside of, outside of work, outside of, outside of home. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot of work being in a band too. It's, uh, there's a lot going on and, um, there's a lot to keep track of. And, you know, for, for as much time as you spend on stage playing music, you spend, you know, 10 times as much time, uh, doing, yep. doing the, <laughs> the admin work of, uh, of, of playing in the band. So, uh, which is totally, it's 100% worth it in the end. It's just fun. Like the whole, the, everything about it is just fun. So Excellent. Do you have a playlist of local musicians that you listen to that you want to highlight? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, our buddies, the uh, chicken wire empire here in, in Milwaukee are, are definitely our, our brethren in arms here. Um, and they're really, really good buddies of ours. And, uh, we're constantly playing little gigs together. Um, other than that, you know, there are just a ton of, of, of different influences all around, all around Milwaukee and all around the state. And, uh, you know, we have some really good buddies up in Sheboygan, the Honey Goats that that put on a great a great bluegrass show. Um, obviously, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades are are laying the groundwork for for taking our our scene here national. Um, here in Milwaukee, we've just got just got some other people just doing great things, like our buddy our buddy Ian McCullough, McCullough who's uh who, who does great stuff year year after year. Man, I could keep going. But yeah, that's just to name a few right there. 
Excellent. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for being on Wisconsin Music Podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you and hearing about the Millbillies and, and the great bluegrass scene that's happening in Milwaukee and that's exploding throughout the tri-state area. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, we'll have to talk soon, and, gra- and I definitely want to grab a show once uh, once uh, everything starts settling down with COVID and the pandemic. That sounds great. We'd love to see you out. All right, cool. Thanks. All right, thank you. Well, that was Joseph from the Milwaukee-based bluegrass band, The Millbillies. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Check out their stream that's on their Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash themillbillies. They also are on SoundCloud. You can buy their album on Bandcamp, themillbillies.bandcamp.com slash releases. Their YouTube channel doesn't have their name in it, so you're going to have to just search The Millbillies on YouTube. And Instagram is Instagram.com slash Millbillies. And their website is TheMillbillies.com. I'd like to thank Nate Wyckoff for creating the music for the Wisconsin Music Podcast and to Dean Bundy for our great voiceover in the beginning and intro. Thanks to Jacob at CW Hip Hop for syndicating our podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. at CWHipHop.com. Also, ZTF Studio Recording and Mixing Services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. up every time she smells gasoline cream said woman don't you eat my worried mind you got the notion mama I got Because she knows your eyes will follow Green to the
she said she would come and see us play tonight. Get the feel now, some just ain't right. Maybe it's the crowd, or maybe it's the beer. If you're out there tonight, won't you let me hear Cream City Woman?